Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. What a continuing resolution could mean for federal innovation. And why agencies need to start planning now for a potential CR. It's Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. AI is everywhere on Capitol Hill this week, it seems. Lawmakers introduced several efforts to create legislation that would drive federal regulatory aspects of the technology. First, on Tuesday, Representatives Ted Lieu, Ken Buck, and Anna Eshoo introduced bicameral bipartisan legislation called the National AI Commission Act, which seeks to create a blue ribbon commission on AI to develop a comprehensive framework for regulating the emerging technology. And then on Wednesday, Senator Chuck Schumer introduced an AI policy framework that seeks to create comprehensive legislation that would aim to regulate and advance the development of AI in the U.S. The General Services Administration on Thursday announced it has decided to exercise an option to extend its Alliant II government-wide technology contract by five years. Though GSA has been in the process of conducting market research for a forthcoming Alliant 3 contract, the agency wants to give federal agencies an additional five years to contract for wide-ranging IT solutions available on Alliant 2, such as cloud, cybersecurity, and AI services. This will bring the total length of the contract to 10 years. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. Experts are fearful that the passage of appropriations for fiscal 2024 may be an ugly process that results in a hefty continuing resolution. While the CR would keep the government running, it would forbid federal agencies from spending money to start new programs or new activities. A continuing resolution could severely hamstring federal innovation, particularly on the defense side, as the Pentagon and military services look to accelerate adoption of emerging tech in anticipation of a potential conflict with peer competitors like China or Russia. That's all according to Megan Metzger, CEO of Decode and a general partner with Decode Capital, both of which focus on helping make the government better through innovative acquisition practices. Joining me now is Megan Metzger, CEO of Decode. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about the budget cycle. And, um, you know, we're entering a period where uh, the budget may not happen on time as planned, which could mean a CR in the new future. Um, And you have some thoughts about that and how it could potentially impact innovation in the government space, both on the DOD and civilian side. So tell me about your looming concern if we do reach a point where the budget doesn't pass and we reach a CR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A CR is nothing new. I think we've had one every year as long as I can possibly remember. Um, But it shouldn't surprise anyone, but it does keep me up at night. And the reason for that is we are currently in an environment. I would say the DOD, for example, says that our top priority is a pacing challenge with China and our adversaries, and mostly because their technology is catching up. You know, this is not a new narrative, but we understand that what they're developing, the technology they're bringing in is much faster. They're going to get ahead of us, right? So in the world of a CR, how do we stay competitive with countries like China? If you're in the civilian agencies, how do we continue to evolve our citizen services in a way that meets their expectations and make sure we have a strong economy? And we can get into the nitty gritty of the CR, but that effectively you're going to cut the budget and tell you not to buy anything new. And I think it gets overinterpreted, 
but a, a CR for four months is one thing, but this next one could go as long as a year. And I think one thing that people aren't talking about is four months, for example, is an eternity in the tech world, right? At the rate of change of commercial technologies, four months is a very big difference. And so it, you do that every single year. The next thing you know, we're over a year behind in technology. Add that on top of how the government's already behind technologically. So keeps me up at night. How do we stay competitive? How do we stay innovative? How do we get the tech in that we need when we, we enter to a CR? And two thoughts on that. Uh, one is the CR doesn't mean there's no money, but it does mean that agencies have to think differently about the money they're spending. And you mentioned that the sort of that concept of no new starts on spending. And second, our adversaries don't have a CR while we do, so they're not stopping either. So tell me about your thoughts on both of those. What is how, how are agencies, you know, forced to think about a CR and applying that in terms of that no new starts and, you know, keeping up with their competitors who, you know, aren't going through the same budget constraints? Yeah. So you add those two things. Our, our competitors aren't under the same budget constraints and they don't have the acquisition behemoth that we have. Right? So those two things combined um, puts us at a disadvantage. But I think when you look at a no new start definition, my experience has been that agencies and folks down in the, in the operational level having to execute on this need a clearer understanding of what that does and does not mean. And the number of times I've seen it misinterpreted, it actually has a pretty profound effect on the government. So I'll give you an example. Technically, a no new start is going to be you know, anything that hasn't been previously authorized by Congress. So a program, you can go down to a project, but it doesn't mean that you can't buy new capabilities. What it means is that you can't buy new capabilities that aren't towards one of those existing things that has been authorized. So I'll give you an example of where I've seen this cause some problems. Um, one of the services, I won't mention which one, years ago had millions of dollars authorized to solve this large problem of paper binders like spending fuel millions of dollars and like actually losing warfighters' lives because they couldn't get to the information they needed. And there was a mobile capability to literally solve that problem that had already been budgeted for. And they said, we can't buy it because that's a new start. Well, no, it's a new way of doing the old problem, right? And it's such a nuance and we're getting into semantics and it's down in the weeds, but that's the type of stuff that's gonna block us from getting where we need to go. Right, so if, if you were in the Army and there is a lot of wonderful work going on around um, you know, making sure we're getting the data and like we're using the cloud, all of these efforts going on, how do you make sure you don't stop evolving those tech stacks to get what we need? Is that actually a new start? And so I think sometimes folks higher up in, the, in agencies or in policy think, well, no, the guidance says it's around programs and projects, but doesn't realize it's getting misinterpreted and overapplied. I'm curious, you know, is there a difference when thinking about the DOD side versus the civilian side? They're all going to face the same challenges in terms of constrained budget, but um, obviously the DOD has a much, you know, uh, immediate, clear um, sort of looming threat in terms of uh, adversaries like China and Russia. But on the civilian side, how should they think about this or what kind of challenges are they facing that could be um, maybe a little different than the, their, their, their partners on the defense side? Sure. So it's going to be the exact same problem. You know, there's a lot of great work that's been going on to um, do things like prevent 
tax fraud or digitize things. We have new offices focused just on you know, customer experience and, and things like that to really support the citizens. And they'll fall in that same category. You know, what are you authorized to buy and how do you continue to innovate and modernize your tech stack so in a world where you aren't allowed a new start? Um, so I think it's incumbent on anyone that's running a budget or working in you know, the IT space to really understand what that means so that you can start planning now and start thinking about how do I make sure that we aren't misinterpreting this language and over-applying it and preventing me from accomplishing the awesome mission that I set out to do. Because I think at the end of the day, no one wants to not do anything innovative or new or exciting. I think we just feel a little hamstrung. So I think it's going to take a little bit of that same effort to upskill the workforce, understand what's going on so that we can think about it differently. So I think the optimist in all of us hopes that there's some solutions out there or some maybe workarounds during this time. And hopefully the CR, if it does happen, won't go on as long. But as you mentioned, it, it could be a year. Um, if that's the case, how should, uh, you know, IT professionals or contracting officers in the government space, whether it's civilian or defense, um, be thinking about this? You mentioned planning ahead, and I'm sure that's, you know, a, a very particular tactic that many will look to. But um, are there other solutions? Or can you tell us more about that one as well? Um, and how uh, agencies should plan for this time? Sure. Well, I might even back up a little bit. I think first to start, we really need the HASC and the SASC to understand, make sure they have a true fundamental understanding of the impacts that this will have on the technological superiority of America, right? And really spend the time to understand how it translates all the way down to where that dollar is spent, mm -hmm. right? And put out guidance and really think about where they're appropriating funds and how that money is flowing and, and what they can do when we get to a CR. You know, the, the DOD has a little bit of an advantage with things like the Ukraine supplemental where we can replenish our stock, but we don't necessarily have to buy the same thing. There's opportunity, but what do you do on the civilian side when you might not have something like that? So I think first we need to start with the policymakers and the folks making the decisions. I think then if you look at the agencies that are gonna take that and, and actually translate that down into what it means for their agency or their programs, really spending the time to write out what that guidance should be and how to interpret it and how almost more what what it means and what it does not mean. Right? And that's kind of the piece that's missing a lot of times. But for the folks that actually run run budgets and are the ones in the planning stage right now and see this coming, the conversations should already be happening. Okay, what are we gonna do to start planning ahead in case there is a three month, a year long CR? Are there new are there things that we can go ahead and start now, even if really small, so that when we get to next year, we've already started it and it's a matter of you know, directing where the dollars are flowing to, for example. Um, most importantly, probably having conversations with finance and with legal. How are we interpreting this? What does this mean for our organization? How do we plan ahead? Because a lot of times what I've seen happen is, hey, it's business as usual. We hit a CR every year, and then we start having the fights about how to interpret that, and, and then the conversation's happening after we're already in the debacle itself, right? <laughs> so... Start having those conversations now and planning ahead, I think, is one of the most important things that we can do. And I guess as, as we come to a close, I think it, it's worth reiterating a bit, you know, 
if we don't do this or if, if people in these roles don't do this, you know, how how harmful could it be to the innovative state of not just our nation, but, you know, the Department of Defense and those very mission critical areas on the civilian side as well, whether that's like cybersecurity or the tax system, as you mentioned, how how much could this hamstring those types of agencies? I think it will be pretty severe. Um, you know, some of it we probably won't even feel until we're in the future and we we're gathering more and more technical debt. Right. So we need to lift our heads up now and look at commercial technology that could fundamentally change the way missions are running, could come in. Hey, a budget time, budget cut's the best time to look at these types of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, you might be able to accomplish the exact same thing, the thing you've already been authorized to spend money on in a faster, cheaper way or a more innovative way, but it's still solving the thing you've already been authorized to do. So take the time to lift our heads up and do that where the technical debt's just gonna grow and grow. Uh, our competitors aren't gonna slow down. Mm -hmm. Hey, our citizens aren't slowing down. Um, so we really need to account for this. Otherwise, I think the impact will be pretty severe. So Megan, we talked a lot about the defense side, but what about the civilian side? There's obviously agencies that perform national security and mission critical things for our nation. Um, and, and similar to the DOD, those uh, you know, threats are not going to stop to those systems or you know, those critical missions need to continue. So how do you see this impacting potentially civilian agencies as well? Sure. That's a fantastic point. You know, when you look at the civilian agencies, national security is every civilian agency as well. So whether that's our health and human services who are protecting our citizens by understanding latest biological threats or the, just the health of our of our country, or the, the inter Department of Energy, our energy grid, you look at um, Homeland Security, or even IRS, we, like, we are trying to modernize, we have organizations there that are digitizing everything and huge efforts to modernize the systems, prevent fraud and make it easier for citizens to engage. Well, what would those systems get attacked, right? So, you know, when you look at cybersecurity solutions and the things that we need, we all saw on the news, it's not gonna stop you know, our agencies are going to be constantly under threat of under a cyber attack and things like that. Okay, so how do you continue to evolve? Attackers are getting smarter every single day. They're trying new things. We already have a hard time keeping up with our cyber defense systems. Um, so that's going to be this, the civilian equivalent, right? How do we continue to buy more emerging technologies in cyber defense and things like that when we're under a CR? And I, again, I don't think that we're necessarily starting anything new. We're, we're authorized to protect our systems, to protect our citizens and all the data that we have. So how do we need to make sure we pause, look at how we're interpreting it so we can keep our heads up and keep on top of how to keep our system safe and keep these civilian agencies uh, safe as well. And Megan, as we close out, you mentioned tech debt, you know, only growing with this potential CR. How is that going to also impact things like the valley of death that we hear so much about on the DOD side um, as, as we try to inject more innovation from the private sector into the defense space? Sure. You know, when you talk about the valley of death, I think the valley of death actually exists. It's a big DOD term, but I think it exists in the civilian agencies as well, which is how do you get things out of prototype and into the programs of, and scale them so that they actually can have an impact on that mission. So in a world where we're, we're already trying to figure out how to pull things out of the valley of death, 
put them into the programs, a lot of it always comes back to funding. And usually one of the biggest barriers that we hear about is, well, maybe we need supplemental funding or a different color of money. Uh, those types of things are gonna block us from transitioning. Uh, so here we are. Now we're not, those things aren't necessarily gonna land on our doorstep or get solved anytime soon when you're under a CR. But I would put this in that bucket of, we need to pause and be super creative and look at how we're interpreting the language that we have been given. So is there a PEO, for example, that what you have prototyped should make its way into that, again, it's not necessarily doing something new and different that hasn't been authorized. Maybe it's just changing the way that we are looking at something that's already been authorized and, and being intentional and creative about how we're looking at that transition. You know, and we've seen a lot of work um, in PEOs. So for example, PEO IWS in the Navy is spending a lot of energy to actually figure out where those barriers lie to help transition capabilities into fleets and that type of work is a perfect opportunity to pause and also pre-plan. And I know they are in their case, like, what do we do if a CR hits? How do we make sure we don't slow down? So again, it comes back to planning. We need to do it. And we probably needed to start about a month ago, but if you haven't, now's the time. You can learn more about innovation and the federal appropriations process at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher helped put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.